Dave Meltzer gives the Lights Out match four and three-quarter stars. Fans already in uproar for the WWE Network on Peacock. And Eric Bischoff is the newest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. We talk about it all next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, you know, we, we don't really talk about star ratings when it comes to AEW Dynamite. But Dave Meltzer has given his star ratings for the show. And it gives the Lights Out match four and three quarter stars, which happens to be the highest rating for any women's match in American promotion, tying with the last woman standing match between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair at WWE Evolution. So, Ralph, what are your thoughts on this record setting matchup and star rating for Dave Meltzer and this match? I'm not surprised. I knew it was going to get a pretty high star rating considering, you know, whether, whether you want to say that there's a bias or there isn't a bias and what it kind of depends on if you're a fan of AEW or if you're a fan of WWE, if depending on what show you watch on a regular basis, if you're really a diehard of one or the other, uh, you're probably going to lean towards supporting what Dave says in, in some cases or uh, refuting what he says in others. Now, mm-hmm. this match itself, I knew was going to get a high star rating because one, it was very good. I yep. mean, we talked about on this show, there's not many people that watch that sh- that match itself or anybody um, or, or most of the feedback that you're going to see was not negative. Most of it was positive. So I, I, I expected the star rating to be higher. Can I sit here and say that it should be the highest rated women's match of all time? I can't say I've seen one in recent memory that stands out as, as the best. I mean, there's been some really good takeover matches between Sasha and Bailey. I'd have to go back and watch them. But right. you know what? Ultimately, I think pro wrestling is at its best when it plays on emotion and you really kind of lose yourself in the match. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the first time like I felt in, emotionally invested in a match, especially from the women's uh, division for AEW. So I, I can't really sit here and make a case against it. I'm, I'm fine with it, I think. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it did not get five stars. I would have figured, one, being the first women's main event in AEW Dynamite history. Two, the match really exceeded expectations. And three, like, obviously people think Dave Meltzer has a bias towards AEW. I would have thought it would have hit five stars. Now, the fact that he's never given a women's match five stars is still a little surprising to me. We talk about the match that ties this, and that is Charlotte and Becky's last women standing match at Evolution, which was a very good match. Uh, Obviously, Sasha and Bayley at the takeover was very good. And then you kind of think about it. What other matches can kind of go into that that conversation of best women's match or worthy enough to get star ratings like that. You think of Trish Stratus and Mickey James at WrestleMania, uh, Trish Stratus and Lita, their raw main event. That was a history making match that they delivered in that sense matches from impact wrestling and their very deep knockouts division in the mid two thousand. So, I mean, depending on your personal preference, I'm still shocked that we still never got a five-star match from Dave Meltzer with a women's match. Well, I think if we consider that there's a few things, few thoughts I have one, and this is kind of similar with, with uh, Charlotte and Becky as well, because there were weapons used in that match, certainly not to the extent of this match. Um, But I think that kind of hurts the match a little bit because in my opinion, and this is only my opinion and people are free to disagree if they want, to me, it's harder to work just a standard pro wrestling match uh, when there are no no weapons involved, no tax involved, because 
you're really relying on building a story just based on what you're able to do within the rules and within the ring. Granted, there were thumbtacks in this match, there were tables in this match, there were chairs in this match. I think shock factor had a lot to do with this. And and I know that mm -hmm. even I said this last week or this week when we reviewed Dynamite, I said, you know, I haven't seen tacks used in a women's match. And then people were commenting they did it before in, in Impact or TNA. And, and maybe they did. I, I admittedly, I, I don't follow TNA um, that closely to know when or who and how and all that type of stuff. But I think that you can have a hardcore match or a match like this that can be very good. This was an example of it. Edge and Mick Foley, I use that, that as an example of it. But to me, it's harder to build drama and to go out there and have a really good pro wrestling match um, when you're, you're confined to working within the rules. So that might have taken away from it a little bit. I don't know. Obviously, I'm, I, I don't know what's going on in Dave's mind and what he's actually looking at. And I think very few people actually uh, know what that star rating criteria actually is. I, I honestly, thing, I think at this point, I think it's honestly different between promotions, yeah. the type of match, uh, like the build towards it. I, I, I wish I knew the criteria because me personally, like my personal criteria would include the build towards it, the payoff of that, the tech, the, the technical aspect of it, the storytelling aspect. Like there's a lot that would go into it, but with Meltzer, it's like he can have two com like completely similar matches. One gets five or six stars, the other one gets four and a half. And it could just be based on where it comes from. Yeah. And you know, you, you brought up a good point that I want to touch on here. The story going into it. Now, you can have anticipation for a match for all different types of reasons. I actually said that I felt like the build towards this match has been lackluster. And most of the build towards it are the thing that people were kind of had the most anticipation of, of for this match was the fact that it was the first women's main event for AEW, um, as far as Dynamite is concerned. So I think there was more people tuning in, interested to see what was going to happen based on that more so than, okay, well, we want to see what happens because of the feud that led into this. Now, mm -hmm. if you compare it to like a match like Hogan and Rock, well, obviously there's a shit ton of anticipation to that match when you even look at the crowd and the way they all reacted, the fans were going nuts before they even touched each other. That's a type right. of anticipation you get when the build towards a match uh, is is really good. So I, I I think that that certainly could have played a factor in it. And I think as far as, you know, just overall women's matches, five stars and all those types of things, maybe we haven't seen it because I don't know ex the exact date when he started doing these, but I imagine it was at some point during the 90s or maybe 80s. Star ratings, the 80s. He's been doing them since I think the 80s. So Okay. So during the 80s, it was mostly the the bigger Hulk Hogan's, the the Macho Man's, Ultimate Warriors. Those were the guys dominating pro wrestling. And then for a majority of the Attitude Era and even post-Attitude Era, it was mostly women were there for eye candy. Like, they were there to escort the True. men out. They had matches, um, but they certainly were not going to main event, and they certainly were not going to be uh, the type of matches that were meant to steal the show. Now, you had people that could go out there and perform, like Trish, Lita, et cetera, all the people you mentioned, um, but they didn't always get the opportunity to do it. So that's probably why you didn't see any five-star matches. And I think it's only a matter of time because right now women are getting their due in terms of the ability to go out there and main event and have pay-per-views like WWE had 
uh, evolution, all those types of things. And given the right circumstances, sooner rather than later, I'm, I'm sure we will see a five-star match. Right. Now, I, I think it could happen. Maybe it happens at WrestleMania with Sasha and Bianca Belair. I know that's awesome. a highly anticipated match. So yeah. it could be there. It could be in AEW as, you know, maybe this is the, the starting point to get the women's division up and running where, hey, Britt and Thunder Rosa, you know, tore the house down and did a much better match than I'd say half the men on the AEW roster. Now the girls have to step up in that division and do they, you know, Hikaru Shida has had some good matches. I don't think any of them were five stars, but does she come up and pick up the slack and get, gets her to a five-star match? Does impact in the knockouts division have it for all we know, it could be Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez. It could be Rhea and Charlotte. Rhea Ripley's going to the main roster as of Monday. Yep. It could be Rhea and anybody, really, but... It could be. You know what? On a bigger stage, Rhea and Raquel, I think, could could do it. You know, but I know Dave doesn't really like the the big guy versus big guy or big girl versus big girl, like, thing. He's more he's more of the, the aerobatics kind of thing and high spots, at least recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see where it goes. But, you know, I tried to compare the Evolution match with Becky and Charlotte to uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker prior to this recording. But unfortunately, I could not access this match on Peacock. Now that WWE Network has moved over to Peacock, um, people are kind of up in arms. And what they've seen so far with the launch of the WWE Network on Peacock, they don't have all the the library, which we knew ahead of time, we're getting about 2,000 hours of content so far, but it's very random what we've got. We only have Raw back to a few years. SmackDown is only a couple years. Nothing from the Attitude Era as far as episodes of Raw or SmackDown. We have random WCW pay-per-views thrown in there, random ECW pay-per-views thrown in there. There's about six or seven WrestleManias missing, including one of my personal favorites. It's not one of the best ones, just my favorite. WrestleMania 6 is not there. WrestleMania 5 is not there. WrestleMania 31, one of the better ones of recent memory, is not there. I know it's going to take time, Ralph, but have you had any experience yet with the uh, Peacock version of the network? And what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm disappointed. So literally yesterday... I came home from work. I sat on my couch and I said, well, let me check this out because I got the opportunity to watch a little bit on Thursday night. I watched some of an old WrestleMania and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to veg out. I'm going to hang out on the couch right in my living room, relax, watch some, uh, watch some WWE. Go to turn on the TV, put on Peacock, cannot watch it. Do you know why? Uh, it's telling me that I need to upgrade my cable box in order to view the content. What was the last was time you upgraded your box? Uh, probably three years ago, two years ago. Is that a long time? I don't know. I, I, I don't all, think so. I, Cause not, my box, my box is probably two, two years old at this point and so I can I, access it. I'm not so much disappointed that I have to upgrade the box. I'm disappointed that I didn't know about that beforehand. And I'm sure not everybody is in tune with the fact that they weren't going to get all the content because I think a lot of pr- people probably assumed that they were going to get all the content. So mm-hmm. You know, for me, I'm not so much disappointed that all the content isn't there, especially like the older Raws and Nitros, because, you know, the bigger matches, the bigger moments, you can probably find that stuff on YouTube, no problem. And if you have a WWE Network subscription, you could always revert back to the old way. So, you know, I do think there's a little bit of 
people just piling on as usual because this is WWE. But that being said, WWE, for whatever reason, even when they do something very good, like they always drop the ball somewhere else where they have so much criticism coming their way, whether mm-hmm. it's because the video game that they're producing or put out is terrible, whether it's a deal they did with in Saudi Arabia, it doesn't matter. They just can't get out of their own way with certain things as far as PR are concerned. And I guess this would be the latest incident of it. Yeah, but I think this is more of a peacock thing. Now, in my experience working in television, I actually understand this whole like content migration thing because I used to work in video on demand before my current position that I have. I used to pretty much work video on demand content for Sony Movie Channel, uh, Hollywood Suite for those in Canada that know that. It's basically... HBO for Canada, um, the Blaze, you know, networks like that. And when you have just say 300 movies for Hollywood Suite, it takes like two weeks to migrate all that over because you have to take them off your server. You got to upload them to a new cloud server. They transcode, which means, you know, encode them or save them in a certain format for each cable provider. Then you have to QC or watch little bits of each movie and then you pass it along and then they have to do the same thing on their end. And if that doesn't work, they kick it back and you got to try to figure out what's wrong. It could take a long time, especially WWE's library. When you have all the stuff from WWE, all the stuff from WCW, all the stuff from ECW, all the stuff from the indies that they just bought. SummerSlam, I think is a very hard, hard, thing to accomplish. I think they can because they have a much bigger employee staff to do this. We only had three people working, but it like people that are upset about the video on demand content, don't worry about it. It will be there. They're giving you a discounted price for the new subscribers, like $250 a month for the first four or five months. You know, it sucks, but like you said, if you really want it, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. And the thing that I not, I'm not disappointed. I'm just surprised is the live like linear stream of the content is not on Peacock. That surprised me. I figured that would be the one thing that would be on there or instantly is that linear stream. But no, it's it's not there. So can you explain that for people who don't know what that means? Okay. So lin- what I mean by linear stream, basically when you watch a television network, and whatever's on TV, that's linear programming. So you can't like select on demand. Whatever's on the network at that time is what you're watching. That's linear programming, or in this case, a linear stream. It doesn't bother me so much. I think some people are probably more disappointed because they, like like you said, you understand it because you have a background in this. But I think that maybe a little bit, bit of a better PR approach. Um, maybe I don't know. I'm sure WWE has some sort of like brand ambassador that could have get gotten this information out there. Hell, Michael Cole, all he had to do on Raw or even even the commentary team on SmackDown, all they had to do was just say, you'll get the content, but we're going to slowly migrate it over. So there's not mm-hmm. the expectation like turn on Peacock, go to the WWE app or network, whatever you want to call it. And there's an endless library of all things WWE, because I think that's probably what people had in mind, um, you know, but they'll get it eventually. I, I like I said, there's other ways to view the content. Just go back to whatever way you were doing it before. 
in the time being, I guess. Right. And I think this is more on NBC than it is WWE. If I had to point the finger at anybody, because I feel like this deal was done very fast. And I know from some people that I talk to because we work with WWE and the company that I work for, and this was brought on to us as our, our company that I work for and WWE were kind of all surprised at this, this sale. I mean, we talked about how I basically predicted it in less than 24 hours. It came to fruition kind of thing. And I wasn't even, I had no idea. And I think they wanted it this way because Peacock wanted WrestleMania. If they didn't get WrestleMania, then they would have waited and then SummerSlam would have been the launch with all the content. That's probably what WWE wanted, but I'm sure NBC was like, no, we want WrestleMania. But one thing that is going to happen on Peacock, you will be able to access it for our American subscribers here, is that the Hall of Fame induction ceremony will happen on April 6th, that Tuesday before WrestleMania, we already know Molly Holly is inducted, but we just learned our second inductee, and that is the man that took Vince McMahon to war, Eric Bischoff, is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. We've talked about him recently on his comments about the, the wrestling industry, and I feel like as his experience grows and his wisdom and understanding his flaws he has such a good understanding of the business. Obviously, the only person, like I said, to go at war with Vince McMahon. This is a well-deserved induction. I agree, I agree 100%. And he probably doesn't even get the credit that he deserves from some fans, depending on what side you chose to be on during the, the, the Attitude Era or the Monday Night Wars, so to speak. Because, you know, if you actually sit back and think about this, if Eric Bischoff didn't come along, and re reinvent the way that we view, or at the time, viewed pro wrestling and the way that they presented pro wrestling and the edgy storylines, we may not have had an Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that, because similar to what people are hoping, at least I'm hoping, what will happen with AEW if the AEW continues to grow, they are going to hold WWE accountable to produce content that is engaging and enjoyable and... They can't just put content out there that people will just have to pretty much accept if it's subpar. You know, if, if AEW gets big enough and competes with WWE, WWE is going to have to try different things. They're going to have to reinvent different guys. They're going to have to push different people. Hell, they may even have to take a different approach as to how they are um, presenting their content. And that's literally what happened during the Attitude Era. You had the rise of the NWO. You had the rise of certain characters, certain mm -hmm. guys went from, you know, like Hulk Hogan changed from being the guy that came out in the yellow and, and red that he was pretty much known for his entire career and reinvented himself. They did different things. They, they pretty much showed you a little bit behind the scenes, you know, with guys like, like Razor, obviously Razor going to WCW being, being himself, Nash going there being himself. It, it brought a more realism to to wrestling that mm -hmm. you know compared to what wwe was doing at the time <laughs> like mantar max moon like those characters were not going to cut it during the attitude era they Duke just the weren't dumpster drossy yeah yeah <laughs> literally and 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 that's what happened it forced wwe to step back look at their content reevaluate it and present it in a much different way in order to compete so you know th this is why we talk about it there's nothing wrong with competition because it holds people accountable and had Eric Bischoff not challenged Vince McMahon, he was the only guy to really do it. 
and beat him head to head, at least for a short period of time. 83 it, weeks. Yep. And not only that, but an amazing on-air talent too, not just in WCW, but his time in WWE, a lot of good segments with him there too. Yeah. I mean, him showing up at Raw was one of the, the, the craziest moments that I don't think anybody predicted. No. Um, you know, very well-spoken guy, very smart, very articulate. If, if nobody listens to his podcast with Conrad, they, sh- they definitely should, because I think you'll have a different appreciation uh, for him and get a different sense of uh, the backstage stuff that happened during WCW and just a different mindset for the business too. Right. And, and obviously his stuff in WCW is really like his, his body of work that I think is the deserving part of the WWE hall of fame induction, but obviously his stuff in WWE was great as well, but you brought up, you, you brought up, you know, guys changing characters, you, you know, sting, for example, the guy was bleach blonde hair, spiked up, doing the howling to not talking for an entire year, doing the whole crow thing. Yep. You know, you have the rise of Goldberg, who basically told you, you don't need to have any single wrestling experience, but we'll find a way to get you over. And the the, the whole thing with the streak. Now, was he like the, the one that was 100% behind it? No, but he's the guy that made those final decisions. He's the guy that let Ted Turner know that, you know, we can compete with Vince McMahon. And because of that, he was a visionary. He was a visionary. He had the vision for, you know, because, and and this is where sometimes, you know, I, I, we talk about Jim Cornette on the show and Jim Cornette is a very much a traditionalist. He wants things to be presented in a certain way. It has to follow a certain formula because that's the way they did it for years. Eric Bischoff looked at the wrestling industry and said, no, I'm going to reinvent it. This is the vision I have for it. This is what it can be. This is how we can go and compete. And not only did he have the vision for it, but he went out there and helped create that. And, you know, granted, it only lasted for a little while and it wasn't all his fault as to why the company ultimately folded and failed. There's a whole story about that. Again, if you go and listen to the podcast, he explains at least his side of it. Um, but without his vision, again, do we even have an attitude era? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, 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 if it would have happened. We may not have had somebody like a Stone Cold Steve Austin or Rock because WWE may have been just continuously producing the same cookie cutter stuff like the guys like Duke, Duke the Dumpster Drossy characters like that if nobody came along and challenged them. I agree. I agree. Now, the question is, if they do have an inductor for him, who inducts him? The NWO is already going in on their own. Do they just like swap like Eric inducts the NWO and the NWO inducts him? Well, Hogan might because him and Hogan are very good friends. Yep. Um, And we already know Hogan's hosting WrestleMania, despite some very interesting, you know, him and Titus are hosting, which is very interesting. But and, And speaking of that, who the hell would have ever thought there would have been a push for Billy Kay to be the host of, of WrestleMania? And to be quite honest, and Bailey, Bailey too. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with either. I hope the the push is so overwhelming that they have to incorporate them somehow. And I'm sure they will. Because... I'm sure Billy Kay will. Bailey, I think, is going to have a match somewhere. But Billy Kay, she should. She will have some kind of segment. And yeah. I hope so. But getting back to Bischoff, you know, who inducts him? Uh, it could be, the like I said, the NWO just flip flop. Like, now that he's going in, why don't you just induct him as a member of the NWO? Seeing that it's it was really his creation in WCW, and he was a big he focal in point in it too. 
there are some guys that could potentially be considered, but with AEW and their affiliation with AEW, I don't see it happening. I think Hogan is probably going to be the guy to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I couldn't think of anybody else that I would see doing it realistically. DDP, maybe? That's who I was thinking, but I, th- I don't know. He's, he's, he's involved with AEW. I, I don't see WWE doing it. I don't. Won't be Ric Flair. Certainly not. <laughs> no, no. Won't be Ric Flair. Won't be Booker. Won't be Big Show. Certainly not. Um, no. But yeah, probably, probably the, like, either he just goes in. Maybe Vince does it. I know Vince. I think the only person Vince has inducted was Stone Cold. Maybe Sean Waltman. Could be. But no, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think they got along very well. No, but... they didn't. No. Especially when X-Pac uh, had the big promo when he came back to WWE. He yep. called out Bischoff by name, but maybe, maybe screw the induction speech. Let's have the fist fight we all been waiting for. Bischoff and Vince McMahon in the ring have the fight that he's been calling for years. Have it, and the winner gets all the TV ratings. I'll take Bischoff at this current <laughs> stage. I think I would take Bischoff regardless of whatever age. But he's like know. a black belt, I think, or at least he was. He was like that. Yeah, he has some kind of. I think Taekwondo or something, but. Let us know what you guys think of Eric Bischoff making it to the WWE Hall of Fame. All the stuff with Peacock if you're from the United States, if you're on the network yet. And also let us know how many stars you would have given the Lights Out match from this past week's AEW Dynamite in the comments below. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.